for welcome to the melt zone podcast from december 8th 2020 this is episode 40 i'm tom and i'm stefan and on today's episode we are talking about our influence or not our influence our responsibility as influencers so i recently released a video uh where i showed how you can 3d print trimmer line um afterwards i found out that it can potentially well emit cyanide vapors um should i have taken that video down i don't know we'll discuss about that next creality started another Kickstarter campaign after their CR6 that uh, was launched uh, earlier this year. They now have the CR30, a belt 3D printer on Kickstarter. Um, both of us made a video or a live stream about it. And people have questioned us, well, for once, why we even made videos about, well, still ongoing Kickstarters and why we have been taking a look at the CL30 and not the also currently, uh, well, printer, uh, belt printer on Kickstarter, the iFactory one. Yeah, lots of moral questions in this episode. Um, not so questionable topics are the, uh, you know, idea of whether software gets so little attention versus new hardware updates in 3d printers um we talked about slicers firmware updates and you know minor firmware revisions that get a lot of hype minor minor hardware revisions that get a lot of hype but you know soft and firmware that doesn't stefan it's been a while man <laughs> it's, yeah. it's good to have you back well it's to have you back no it's it's good to be to be, to there uh, together again on, on the podcast <laughs> what have you been up to uh t too much stuff too much work going on too much family stuff too much renovation i don't know i didn't have like a free day for the last couple of months well to be honest sunday has now become the family day where i really try not to work and spend my time with my wife and the baby yeah. but with free day i mean a day where i don't know i can do f fun stuff even though family stuff is also fun stuff but fun stuff in being like for, for yourself gaming yeah. tinkering for myself um but yeah christmas is coming chris or the time before christmas is always crazy but hopefully starting friday i'll have like four weeks off from normal work nice. i can finally start well hopefully finally the renovation is mostly finished because i was basically living on a junkyard for the last three months because every day when the like the construction guys were coming everything looked like them like a yeah, mess yeah <laughs> so i'm i'm just so happy when all of that is over and i'm so happy when i have my new space upstairs when the house is not looking as well like a junkyard anymore <laughs> you know what i mean yeah you know what i mean but i mean you can be sure the next thing's going to come up like as soon as you get one thing finished like the next thing that keeps you busy is going to be there definitely definitely so well i'll be renovating like my old office studio i'll be renovating the the baby room um but this is something I'm actually looking forward to because I kind of noticed. So we we did our garden 
a couple of, of weeks ago and I was helping the, the garden guy out just like raking stuff up and I thought, okay, this is kind of like a really nice work. Yeah. Like physical work, not thinking too much. So, uh, you know, I, doing I, the renovation here is it's just, I, I wouldn't say stupid work, but different work that you can somehow enjoy because it's even kind of meditative. It's, I, I find like physical construction, building stuff and, and like having something where at the end of the day you can look back and see, okay, that's what mm. I've, I've done today. I find that very fulfilling mm. to, to, to a way. Yeah. Um, like I, I watch a lot of like construction channel, YouTube stuff, um, the Perkin Builder Brothers, um, our buildings, um, our construction, um, Scott, what's what's the, the New Zealand guy called? Uh, Scott Brown Carpentry, like just it's it's something as an engineer you you rarely get to experience. Mm. Just being just walking into a construction site in the morning, everyone knows what they're supposed to do. Like you know your colleagues, and it's just you yeah. do your thing. And at the end of the day, yeah. you look back and you're like, oh, I put in those five walls, and you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sounds sounds like a, I mean, physically tiring, yeah, but but fulfilling job though yeah 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 it is and yeah just also seeing well I'm, I'm looking forward to see well i know how my old studio now looks like it's it's also a mess it's cramped up um the walls Tell are open because we had to put pipes in the walls and and cables and stuff like that and just getting everything out of there just really getting everything out of there and then putting new plaster on the walls a new floor and just having a beautiful new uncrowded room right here it's it's gonna be great it's really gonna be great yeah and you did get a ton of space in the in the new well is it an addition it's kind of like a a, a roof lift basically it's a roof lift yeah we yeah. we basically lifted our roof by a meter and also put galpen um, i don't know what you say for that in english <sighs> Uh, yeah, yeah, keep going. It's <laughs> what, gonna... Whatever. So I basically have... So currently I'm working... My office is a 10 or 12 square meter office where I have three printers in here, my desk where I work, my tensile test machine, my impact test machine, a big uh, rack, rack. Yeah, a big rack behind me uh, where there's stuff on there. So it's really cramped at the moment. And every time when we, for example, record the podcast or if I do a live or if I did a live stream in here, I had to move everything and it was a horrible amount of work. And you don't need to have space I, to, to move stuff too. Like here, no, at least I can, t no. I can take my C stands where the two live streaming, yeah. like the monitors I use, I can push those back by a meter at least. No. But you, you didn't no. even have that space, so. No, I didn't have that. And now I have like 25 square meters in on the upper floor and when i renovate this room in here because there is a walk-in closet behind that wall yeah. and we'll also remove that because the walk-in closet is going to go upstairs it's going to be another 16 17 18 square meters additional room in here where, where i can have uh printers where i can have my tensile testing machine and also the other stuff sitting at their place and also i can leave them running yeah because i am not really happy working next to a printer because it's loud and stinky and stuff like that so i have a kind of 
stinky room down here and I have hopefully a nice space upstairs where I have a nice desk to just shoot videos and, yeah. and work and I don't know, so relaxing, more open. Basically, basically, you added a whole bunch of space to your house for the channel. <laughs> I basically did. My wife is not happy that I'm now having two offices, but on the other hand, what you since do. we're not yet having a, a second child, um, it, it would be a waste not using the space. They, they can share a room, can't they? Yeah, <laughs> we have a walk-in closet <laughs> and our basement is pretty big. Yeah. <laughs> nah, we'll see. Well, this is the thing I started four years ago uh, with like nothing or well, doing YouTube with basically nothing. Uh, I had this room right here. The channel grew, but basically the space that I used didn't grow with the channel and no it's finally the step to make everything bigger, making everything less cramped, making things are also more efficient because currently yes. if I need to yeah. shoot video, I always need to either move to the basement or move stuff around here. I have to move lights. I have just one pair of lights. So I, ugh, it's horrible. It's I mean, horrible. What, 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 I'm, what I'm always thinking about is like, okay, you know, the channel started in this one room and it worked great in this one room. Like, mm. why can't, can't we just keep doing what we did so well with the resources we had why, why does one have to to grow but yeah like like i said it is really about efficiency and it is about um you know being able to do it faster with with less effort mm. because it, it is tiring if you just you know yeah. matroshkaing around in, in your little room and, and trying to stack things here and there yeah, yeah. and um, and kind of it's also a bit rewarding if you say if you if you say okay i i started from well in a small office and i can now finally afford having two rooms yeah um and i feel comfortable in there i can have nice lights i can have nice decoration and it's it's not only work but you also kind of need to enjoy the space where you're working in because otherwise i don't know it kind of gets or makes you feel depressing if you yeah if it's just like a production facility it's yeah yeah it is after all a creative job right it, you know technically we're artists even though we're, we're not really <laughs> producing art most of the time though i guess if it's a video it's it, uh, it's not art it's it's it, creative work though it's creative work yeah yeah, yeah. I, I don't know did we actually do the last podcast episode in in the new old studio already or was that still in the old new studio so i think it was in the old new studio new old in the new so, old studio <laughs> it, the last one was together with gina right yeah. right oh yeah that, that was from god where did we record that yeah but but in general like the, the i've been doing a lot of moving too um just moved the entire studio twice this year did um, you finally move out of the old space so like completely so yeah at the beginning of the year i moved into what i'm going to refer to as the new studio um but because of i don't know health issues i still don't know what exactly it is um i moved back into the old studio which i'm in right now into this uh, basement studio and i am yes i am out of the old studio about god i'm out of the new studio um that ended i think end of october uh mm. the the rent agreement there ended end of october and i'm back in the in the old studio yeah Fe feeling so. comfortable nah 
<laughs> nah, there, there was a reason why I wanted to get out of here, but yeah, it's what it is. Um, I mean, I, I, I wish I wouldn't have had to move everything twice because I think just the physical mm. moving everything in, moving everything out, and now we now I. I can't find half of my stuff because it's in it's in a different place than, than where it used to be. Uh, that's the worst part. But yeah, I can I can work in here. Did you actually use like the act of moving to get rid of stuff that you haven't touched for a couple of years? Uh, no, but I'm doing now. Okay. So I did okay. use the act of moving for organization and for just getting everything into ikea assembler boxes which is i mm -hmm. find hugely helpful in mm -hmm. just being able to, to grab and find stuff and, and knowing what crap you have and what you need to get rid of um and i'm now going through all of those boxes and all of those like collections of things and seeing okay this mm -hmm. is this i can keep this i can get yeah, mm -hmm. throw out and over the last week or so i think i've disassembled like three or four printers um that were just sitting around that I think we've talked about before, like printers aren't really something that you can give away or sell or because of, you know, stuff that's attached to that process of, of giving away machines. But so, so, yes, yeah. but so, so what are you doing with your old printers? Is it just for salvaging parts? Because this is Basically, also something, yeah. okay. Yeah. Because, well, I have like giving printers away, away to, to friends and colleagues just also for kind of the same reason as you said um, shipping them is mostly Probably not a, a yeah. thing sh shipping them internationally is even worse you're probably um, better off just ordering a new one from from Gearbest or something yeah <laughs> <laughs> but this is also something I kind of start facing that I still have printers around that I basically don't need anymore and I need to well I I realistically, I think I don't need any more. But on the other hand, I always have in the back of my head, maybe at some point there could be a use for that particular <sighs> one. So, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm maybe a bit of a hoarder. I don't know. My Aren't wife would say that I'm a bit of a hoarder. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, the the giving away to friends. I've been I've been doing that too with a couple of machines. But like, you have to be really clear about the fact that hey, you're getting this machine and like, have fun with it. I'm out. Like, you figure it out. But I can't support you with this thing that I already want to get rid of. That I don't want yeah. to have around anymore. Um, and I feel like it's the same with with schools and stuff. Um, but yeah uh what 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 i'm keeping from printers is basically the the reusable stuff so if it's got a decent hardened that's that's staying if it's got a, a reusable mainboard um of course v slot profiles heated beds um belts linear motion systems all that sort of stuff um so i've got a, a, a stack of v slot um i've got a box full of mainboards i've got a box full of lcd screens and the plan is to do at some point next year to do like a scrap builder like mm. hey because I've, I've also got those uh, aluminum profiles from the photovoltaic system um which yep. are like meter 20 long um profiles they're 40 by 40 millimeters uh 50 by 50 45 i don't know they're pretty big and i want to build something big from those and just use whatever i have cool <laughs> that's kind of the you know maybe or maybe you know mainboard you can use for some sort of emotion control system like the tensile testing thing that i'm building mm. um because it's that's basically what i it need it's an arduino with a stepper driver or with yeah. five stepper drivers 
So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but, but, but still at some point, well, at some point you, you get to the point where do I need like a 10th or a 20th main board in yeah. my Samla box? Yeah. Um, and people will scream, oh yeah, you don't need your printers anymore. I'll take them. But yeah, it, it's, it's not that easy. Yeah, we'll have. If is there like a, a FedEx collect service where you just hand them a, a printer and they're and you're like, okay, here, have fun. Please package it and please, you know, make sure it arrives safely. Because like that, the packaging itself, I don't have boxes that big. Like I'd have to buy the boxes. I'd have to buy loads of packaging for them. Mm. Um, and then, like you said, international shipping. Like shipping a printer with DHL, which is already one of the cheapest options, is like eighty bucks just to the US and if it's like mm. Australia it's like 150 I'm like <laughs> I mean it ET uh, I mean it E10 isn't worth that much <laughs> it wasn't worth that much when it was new yeah oh <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah and, and maker spaces all... don't want our crap either so that's that's the other thing <clears throat> um yeah. yeah I also already well talked to schools but they have their safety regulations and they're basically even not comfortable having like a hot end where mm -hmm. students could potentially touch it where you say okay come on you <laughs> will not get like second degree burns from that but on the other hand i, I mean, understand if you press your finger it into it yeah <laughs> yeah but then you need to be I know, but but the, the stuff the stuff that schools have to worry about when it comes to like insurance, um, mm. because like if you have a machine that maybe doesn't meet safety regulations and a student mm. burns themselves mm. and parents sue the school, like that school is in pretty deep shit. Mm. So yeah, understandable. Yeah, this is one of the reasons why things like. Ultimakers and MakerBots and also the, the FlashForge printers, I think, kind of exist because um, they are relatively closed from the outside. They are properly CE certified, um, at least yeah. Ultimaker and probably the MakerBots. Um, I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> And sometimes they're even enclosed. We could say, okay, yeah. um, you could ventilate the the fumes outside. Yeah, that's the other thing. Yeah, but yeah, um, talking about responsibility, should we start with our first topic? <laughs> yeah, I, I totally so. forgot that. Yeah, I mean, you you put that in there. Um, the I put that in there because yeah. at that point it was. I, I don't want to blame you. It's it's totally on me, but it was kind of ruining a really nice day. <laughs> it's but, but go ahead. Yeah, but it was totally fine. It was totally fine. So it's some. So yeah, basically, let's let's set the stage. Um, you published a video on trimming, uh, trimming with with printer line, printing with trimmer line, which is nylon yep. in a filament compatible shape. Right, you exactly. can you can stuff that into extrude and you can print parts from it. And yep. most of the time, it prints. It works pretty darn well. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I, I pointed out that uh, Tallman, one of the most known, most well-known manufacturers of commercial nylon filament and nylon blends, um, had done some studies on how much basically cyanide uh, was being emitted mm. from printing 
readily available trimmer line um, or other nylons in a 3D printer. And it was like, well, it's not exceeding any um, any health limits, any any regulatory mm. limits, but there is a, a very detectable amount of cyanide that is being emitted from some trimmer line, especially I think it was when it's wet and when it's printed very hot, which is what you would mm. expect. Um, and like you you put into our our show notes today, like should you have to delete your trimmer line video? And yeah. So the thing was. The thing was, yeah, you you pointed out that this could be potentially dangerous, and I was the one putting a video up on YouTube that said, "Okay, it's it's working really well, three D printing trimmer line," and basically telling people go ahead and do that as well if you if you want to have if you want to play around with nylons. So. The video was doing really, really well. It was it's one of my I'm best performing videos. I'm hoping it's still videos. doing well. It's yeah. still doing well. Okay, so it's still up. That's that's good to hear. <laughs> it's it's still up. Um, but at the point when you posted that comment, and I totally understand that, and I didn't find that during my research that things like that could happen. I was asking myself, do I have the responsibility as an influencer to delete that video because do I advertise or advise, doing something yeah. potentially dangerous or advise yeah. doing something potentially dangerous and many do that and many just don't have any bad conscience doing that if it gets them views and money but I'm honestly the person that doesn't want to be responsible uh, for advising people doing potentially dangerous stuff. And I wasn't pointing that out in the video itself that it could be dangerous because I didn't know that at, at that time. When you posted the video, I, I added that to the description. I added a, a pinned comment, but probably not everyone will be reading that. So yeah. what would have been the proper way to act and i don't know what is our responsible what's our responsibility as influencers yeah so i mean the in in so in this particular case what you basically have to weigh is like you know when just for for you listening or watching it when you delete a video you lose all your views you don't get those back and when you re-upload it like people aren't going to watch it as much because they've already seen it yeah. So, like, that is what you have to, well, it's, it's what you are losing as a creator. You basically, you're nuking that video. That video is is worth that from that point. You, you, hmm. You'd be, probably be better off just deleting it and, you know, never uploading it again. Um, but from, I've, I've briefly thought about this before we started recording because I've, I've read through these notes. But what, what my, like, human understanding would be like, hey people watching these um, should not assume that when they're putting something into the 3D printer that is not made for 3D printers or intended as 3D printer feedstock that it it qualifies as a fully usable or safe mm. or whatever it's it's common sense All right mm. that's 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 what I'd be thinking you also you you in the video are also not advising that it's completely safe you're not saying hey this is safe to do right no yeah. Well, so. and I specifically said that I moved 
well, printing it down into my basement due to having kind of weird smells in my office. But I didn't particularly say, don't do that or don't do only do that in a well-ventilated area because there could be cyanide fumes. Yeah. I think from a from a legal standpoint, well, obviously I'm not a lawyer, but I think that could just just the fact that you're not saying this is safe and please do mm -hmm. this because it's safe. I I think from from that standpoint you're you're safe. Mm -hmm. You you are uh, across the, mm -hmm. no you you're okay from that standpoint. But like sure if if you have known obviously you'd have added that that note right. Mm -hmm. I, of course I, yeah. Um, and I mean I'm I'm not probably completely innocent there either. I've I've done some stuff in in live streams particularly when you just have to to get stuff done that I would not advise people to do um, mm -hmm. from an electrical standpoint or from a. I don't know. Um, and I've also had videos up that, you know, even Prusa complained about uh, with the voltage mm -hmm. tweaking on the power supplies. And I, yeah. I, I, in that case, I did re-upload it um, because it was like, well, this, yeah, this is kind of, you're right. This, mm -hmm. this is probably or, or likely going to break people's printers, mm -hmm. which I think is a, is a stronger reason to... Um, and to delete and, and re-upload a video then hey there might event, might potentially maybe be some non-dangerous level of cyanide emissions hmm. yeah well i i guess if the investigation by tolman tolman would have shown that there would have been cyanide levels way above the like regulated limits yeah I would have, I think, definitely put it down and re-uploaded it with, uh, with specifically saying that. But since they let it run for like an hour in a closed box and still just had one tenth of the, of the of the legal limit, limit yeah. I said, okay. Um, even though maybe I would have been more comfortable with having a statement in the video that that could happen. I think I still don't have a really bad conscience and think that tons of people gonna die 3D printing Timberline. And since 3D printing Timberline has been around for for like yeah uh, a decade, um, pretty much yeah. If it would be crazy horribly dangerous, I probably I would have found something in during my research. Yeah. It's still, I, I'm still not 100% comfortable with the decision of, of leaving it up. But in the end, as, as you said, it was kind of a decision of not having that video. Well, having spent a lot of work on, on a video and, and just basically nuking it or just leaving it on the channel and, uh, well, getting views and, yeah, therefore also getting money. Then it was also sp a sponsored video. Then you would have to discuss with the yeah. sponsor, hey, sorry, I had to put it down. I had to read upload it. Now it's not performing well anymore and things like that. It is, you are, you are in a bad position. And yeah. I guess it's, it's really hard to do it the proper way. And I don't know if it would have been the proper way to do it either way. I wish YouTube had like a a feature to re-upload a video without losing everything. 
Um, yep. it, I, I think it's something that, that's been suggested and complained about a lot before. They used mm. to be the on-screen annotations, which, yes, didn't yep. show up on mobile. Um, and I think they, they just completely stopped showing them anywhere. Um, but those at least used to be something that you could do. Um, yeah. Right now, what YouTube lets you edit is is it lets you blur out regions in a video and mm. it lets you mute and replace audio. But that is, mm. it, and it also lets you cut out sections um, out of a video. I think is there is there still a view limit? It used to be a hundred thousand views, the, right? There was a view limit, but I don't know if it still exists. Right. That is possible, but you're not able to add anything. Yeah, there so. is the possibility. I've heard. I think on a MKHB, MKBHD podcast that if you're if you really have good connections to YouTube, YouTube um, they can potentially replace a video, and that happens from time to time. But this is not an option that you have as a small creator. Yeah. Well, we at least have you know someone we talk to at youtube you every have someone I, why you don't you have, have your youtube partner manager you I'm, had... I'm i'm still not worth having a partner manager it's like you're supposed to to get a partner manager assigned to you at a hundred thousand uh subscribers and and yeah. you know mine reached out at like 70 and was like hey you're on a really good road to 100k yeah uh, well, she also reached out to me when i was when i had like fifty thousand subscribers something right. like that and but this was just in the, what was it? The Rising Star program right. <laughs> or something like that. Um, but I mean, I... when that when that ended, she, she basically told me, okay, that program ended. I can't talk to you anymore. <laughs> okay. I mean, I don't talk to my YouTube partner manager like on a, on a daily basis either. Mm. Like we, we chat every six months or so for mm. an hour and we go through you know channel stats and tips and tricks and mm. stuff but I, that's that's weird that you're not oh i i gotta ask her about that but um say, say hello yeah. to her maybe she still remembers me yeah but uh <laughs> yeah the the video replacement feature that's something that only the big boys get because it, it has mm. to be a manual review process right um what yeah. they want to avoid is you know a video gets how many million views and then the creator just replaces it with something that's something completely different uh you know some obscene whatever they might want to put in there mm. so. can, I, can i just pause you for a second sure, sure. your wire is rubbing all of the time i oh, think God. on your hoodie and it's making a horrible noise oh i am sorry everyone i i still haven't sent in my uh my road mic that should be no no, no. i still haven't sent Maybe. in my road mic your road mic um, because that should be better, yeah, right? That's better. Yeah, that's better. So, sorry, listeners. <sighs> um, where was I? I don't know. Partner yeah. manager. Yeah. I'm I'm sorry about so, that. So <laughs> maybe just to end that topic, I think we definitely have a responsibility at the position where we are because oh yeah, there is a reason why we're called why some call us influencers or i don't know um the sad thing is that many creators just don't care about their responsibility yeah and but still i don't want to be one of them but there is still kind of a 
decision process that you sometimes need to do. Is that okay what I'm doing just because everyone else is doing it? And that was that video was the point where I was really struggling and I was I uploaded the video or I, I released the video. It was doing really, really well. I was totally happy and then just like my whole weekend. I'm, I'm sorry to ruin your No, it's it's totally weekend, fine. But... I, I think it's I think it's good to to think about things like that because yeah. I think that will definitely motivate me next time when I'm working on a video to do research in specific directions. Yeah. Think about what I'm doing. So. <laughs> think about your action, Stefan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. It's yeah. I was gonna delete that section as well and move on yeah. to the uh, CR30. Yeah. Which CR30, is yeah. everyone has a CR30. So we as as two we were like the last two people who unboxed one. It feels like. Uh, so Angus already has his review out. Is it? Is it? Yeah, it's a it's a review, right? Um, it's a review. Joel did a review of. Yeah. I'm the not. CR30. I'm not gonna do a review because I, it's one of my policies to not review pre-production hardware and Kickstarter hardware in particular because I could. It's, they could send us anything and then ship something entirely different to backers, which has happened before. Your cable is rubbing again. I got the <laughs> Hold on. If I. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've also got a, uh, is it a Sennheiser? Uh, the MKE 600 on order, um, the boom mic, which I'm hoping to use for regular YouTube videos from now on. So I can mm. put that up as a boom for the podcast as well. Is that better? It's better for the moment. I can. I'll let you know. I'll, I'll mute myself and you can, you can keep going with the CR30. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so like the CR30, uh, Naomi Wu's 3D print mill is, yeah, it has been around on, on, it is another one of these Kickstarter 3D printers and Creality is, again, just as with the CR6, using Kickstarter as a big promotional platform. They sent the printers to all of the big... 3D printing YouTubers. Yeah. And basically most of them have released videos, sometimes even reviews about a printer that is on Kickstarter, which, and they reviewed a product that is not in its final state. And again, you're, you're not buying a printer over Kickstarter. You're backing a project and potentially you yeah. won't get anything in return. So, um, I, I can so, I can kind of understand why Creality are putting something like the CR30 on Kickstarter. I I can understand it much more than for the CR6 SE because the CR30 is an experimental product that yeah. has uh, you know it is is radically different from something that is just another regular you know pusher i3 style printer like mm -hmm. the cr6 sc uh you know the entire belt platform uh that requires new tooling lots of development mm -hmm. um it's of course that they're also I'm, I'm looking at it because it's it's on my on my desk right here um but of course it's it's also reusing parts from existing machines like the obviously motors profiles um mm -hmm. electronics 
toolhead, all that is reused from from mm. other Creality printers. But like the the mm. core product itself is something that's new. Does Creality need to kickstart it? Probably not. No. But is it is it something that I can understand a Kickstarter for? I I guess kind of yeah. I guess also in a bit of a way. I think Naomi said that in one of her videos that Chinese companies are usually not comfortable releasing a product that uses unproven technology. Um, so, meaning. Um, Companies are usually not happy to, for example, release a belt printer when there aren't any other basically belt printers on the market and they okay. don't know if there are many that will buy it and they potentially develop something that nobody will buy or it doesn't really work or something like that. So, and she had to do quite a lot of convincing Creality to uh, well give her the opportunity to start the project. Yeah, because this is so, this is essentially Nomi's project, right? This isn't like Creality's project. This is something I think in in one of her tweets it was like, okay, I would have launched this thing myself if the rules on Kickstarter would have allowed me to. Um, mm -hmm. So basically, this is Nomi's printer with a Creality backing from a production standpoint and you know creality acting as the company making this but really this mm. is this is Naomi's project right yeah as well for for this reason i understand using it as, as a kickstarter but creality definitely would not have needed the kickstarter because well you and me we both basically received a fully developed product um in a way it had a manual, it was properly packed. Um, all of, well, I think there isn't any tooling necessary for that product. So I think the only things that might change are some, some minor details. So there isn't the need that they need that kickstart money to, for example, create right. injection molds and stuff like that. It's more as a prototype, in my opinion. Yeah, but I mean, that that's getting into the discussion, like what is Kickstarter? And Kickstarter is... I mean, it is a marketing platform. It's not a that I don't think they're saying anywhere that they're helping like new and upcoming companies. Then, no, they're just like well, uh, well, I think it became a marketing platform. There are still some, there are still some projects, and I think this is still a more or less significant amount of projects that use Kickstarter as a platform to get funding to get a product out out well out in the open out from having only a, a a beta unit and maybe that also takes us to the second point the other belt 3d printer that is is currently on kickstarter i think those guys i'm talking about ifactory a german belt printer i think they are using kickstarter more as a platform to really get funding for their project Yep. because they don't have a big company in the background i don't know if they have any venture capital or something like that they might not have the money at the moment to um well manufacture this product for for the big market 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, they they are more in the spirit of, of Kickstarter. Um, yeah, I've I've just uh, looked up their, their project. They're at one hundred forty seven thousand euros out of a ninety two thousand nine hundred euro goal, um, which is one tenth of what the so the, the one hundred and forty seven thousand euros is well, a bit over one tenth of what the Series thirty is doing right now. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, so that there were questions about like why, especially for for me, where I'm publicly saying on on the review guidelines on the website, like why are you looking at reviewing and not uh, unboxing is not a review, but why are you looking at the CR30 and not the iFactory one? And well, the iFactory, I I know it's I know it kind of sucks because on the one hand I say okay I'm not doing um, crowdfunding products on the website, and on the other hand I'm saying well if it's reality I'll take it. But I, you know, I had relationships with Creality. I was writing with them back and forth, and they were like, "Hey, you know, they they sent me the uh, in the three v two. They sent me the CR six SC, and they were like, hey, by the way, we've got this this three D print mill coming up. Do you want to take a look?'" And it's like, "Well, yeah, this this looks interesting." And usually, I don't do like I get I get probably half a dozen emails a day asking me for some sort of a product review, whether it's crowdfunding or not. And usually, I don't yeah. do. I, well, I never do crowdfunding products, and for this, this was something that I personally just was interested in, and was interested in mm. seeing how well the technology worked, um, mm. w- what challenges there are, what you can print with it, what you can't, and yeah, Cre- I, Creality reached out, iFactory didn't, so I have a Creality CR30 and not a not an iFactory mm. one, one, okay, <laughs> <laughs> and you didn't have one either, right? I don't have one either. To be totally open, they reached out to me, like I think, two months ago and asked me, hey, do you want to take a look at our Belt 3D printer that is coming up? It's going to be on Kickstarter at the end of the year. And I said, no, I usually don't. Well, I had bad experience with Kickstarter in the past and I don't want to review or take a look at the printer when it's still on Kickstarter. Yet you and I said, okay, to see your 30. So then a couple of weeks later, Creality reached out to me and said, okay, our 3D print mill is coming up. Do you want to have one? And I said, yeah, I would like to have one, but for once I don't really have the time and November and December to put out a video when it is important for you, when the Kickstarter is, and I don't want to do Kickstarters anymore. And they said, all right. And then just like a week later, I I got an email with a shipping notification. Hey, uh, by the way, we send you a CR30. Okay. So, and for me, I still didn't plan to take a look at it when it was still on Kickstarter just for, well, also for being fair to iFactory. But then, I don't know, um, my pl- my place upstairs finished and I was, I have, I hadn't been doing a, a, a live stream for a year and I thought, okay, this is now finally the time I have a really nice product downstairs to do another live stream. And I don't know. Uh, yeah, then I did it at the weekend. But on Saturday, I had a really bad conscience and I reached out to the guys at iFactory and said, hey, I'm totally sorry. Um, This wasn't fair to you guys. Um, 
I should not have taken a look at that other belt 3D printer that is on Kickstarter when I said I don't want to take a look at yours. Mm. So, but it happened. It happened. I still feel kind of sorry for it. But was it was it worth it though? Was your experience <sighs> with the CR30 worth it? Um, I had adhesion problems. <laughs> I, I I have adhesion problems too. Like I got the day after I unboxed it, I, I tried to print. I I just made like a, a fan filter box that fits a a, a regular car yeah. air filter, um, and just has two one twenty mil fans. And I wanted to mm-hmm. print like two of these on one side. And the first part came out okay, lifted on one side, but um, mm-hmm. the part after that was just oh, a whole bunch of spaghetti. That's that's all that's left of the second part. You can kind of see. And I've not gotten a part to stick since. I don't know. It might be that the hardened is like too shallow. Mm. It almost looks like it's it's not pressing down. It's squeezing out forward so too much. I also still need to figure out proper leveling and proper proper distance between the nozzle and the belt. But yeah, also the belt is giving me a bit of an issue at the moment. And I really hope that they are changing something for the final product i think the first belt that they launched it with and i think also joel for example got was way coarser and parts even stuck too well to it okay this now is i wouldn't say it's it's really the opposite but it's harder to get parts to stick on the on the belt itself so i think you have the same belt that i do Yes, I do. Um, it's yeah. that finer weave, and you don't have this crisscross pattern anymore, yeah. uh, where the belt is stitched together. Um, did I have a, a good time with the CR30? It is a really interesting machine. It's well built. Um, I got some really nice prints with it, but I think software is currently still limiting it a bit, and just my experience with. I wouldn't say that that technology, but things like how do I need to to level uh, the printer? Yeah. How do I need to prepare the belt, for example? So that is currently still causing me issues. And uh, but I haven't also been been working on it for the last two yeah. or three days. It is. It is. It, I, I find it's just such a, such a completely new experience uh, and, mm. and the workflows that you used to with uh, regular square. <laughs> Cartesian printers just mm. don't work anymore. Like for for leveling, like well, you you just have like two points. And mm. is is it the same on yours? Where when you move the nozzle down to like the zero, when you home the the y, the y axis, yeah, um, it actually feels like it's not the nozzle gripping, but the um, the sock, sock. Yeah, <sighs> I, yes, I trimmed I... mine down a bit more, but yeah. it's still doing that. I I think so as well. And you always see like the the marks of the nozzle on the on the belt itself i'm that too yeah yeah it's it is a new experience and i think there's still quite a quite a lot of experience by the community missing to get this thing working properly and i still have the statement that if you want to get into 3d printing don't buy a belt printer for the moment oh for sure for sure um I definitely Still? don't buy a belt printer. I mean, yeah. If it's no. your first printer. No. Well, yeah, it's yes, ruin yeah, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
still I am very happy that the iFactory 1 and also the CL30 that they exist and they started existing because that technology had been way more expensive in the past. If you take a look at the black belt, the black belt is 10, 15,000 bucks. Yeah. And there are applications. There are definitely applications where a belt 3D printer is usable. Um, I think Naomi says that she rather sees it for long parts and not really serial production. But for me, and also how I would personally use it is definitely for serial production. Yeah. Same here, which is why, I mean, on the live stream, I've already said, um, like, if you take the Core XY gantry, which is a, like, a, a system, like, a closed system by itself, it's not, like, integral mm. to the rest of the frame. You could just take that, put it on a Z-axis, and use that as a, uh, just a Core XY, and then have an automatic feed with the belt. The belt is a bit mm. too slow to use it as a Y-axis, but you could definitely take the, the Core XY and just, yeah. Um mm does the so the black belt i think is 45 degrees as well but the white knight is 30 so it's a shallower um mm -hmm. gantry and i think the shallower gantry is actually more useful for doing serial production because you have less you probably have better bed adhesion mm -hmm. because you're squeezing the filament more into yeah. the bed um and also you have you can print slightly off vertical walls um tipped yeah. away from the nozzle um, yeah. which is something that we saw in the Creality livestream where they printed benches where the backside of the benchy already needed support and mm. they specifically printed the backside of the benchy first because that was the mm. shallow and, and the shallow side of the side that had less of an overhang yeah. so yeah there, there are definitely some big limitations when it comes to just part geometry that's going to work right mm. um, but yeah continuous prints like the swords or, or beams or that sort of thing I don't know if you need to print beams but those longer prints i guess you can prop them up with support if that's yeah. if if support material is what it takes to be able to mm. print those things versus mm. not being able to print them at all i think that's mm. that's great and i think we definitely need to point out that the reason why we don't have like a c axis perpendicular to the belt is just because there's still a pattern on it and yeah. as long as that exists you are or no manufacturer or MakerBot is only uh, uh, allowed to um, sell a machine with such kinematics. But I still maybe see a market for aftermarket modifications for specifically that machine that you buy a couple of simple parts and modify that on your own at home. Yeah, to because a you, they're totally allowed to do that. Like yeah, nobody you're, stopped you're me from allowed, doing that. Yeah. And this, I think, makes it even more interesting. Yeah. So we'll see. And this is also maybe something I really have to to give kudos to, to, to Naomi because she made sure that, for example, the belt will also be available to be purchased separately yeah. for DIY um well, for, for building DIY printers that is it gonna have be, a... Yeah, is it going to be just the belt or is it going to be the entire belt platform? I think it's just the belt. Okay. Um, okay. I'm not sure, but I think it's probably pro probably just the belt. Yeah. I um, I saw on the Kickstarter that you can order extra belts already. I think they're like 40 mm -hmm. bucks or something. But yeah, yeah when it comes to, to those DIY approaches of, of trying to make 
a belt print, printer yourself it's always been like i know from the old uh thingomatic days like right it's it's oh you need to get this titanium film and you, you cut it at a 45 and then you you wrap mm. captain around it in, in one specific pattern and then it kind of mm. works and you've got like this tiny little belt that still like mm. wobbles and and does all sort of weird stuff but having a continuous belt that is made for 3d printed parts to stick to yeah mm. that's i think that's going to be a big enabler because the other the roller systems and stuff you can build that right it's not mm. it's not easy to build it properly but you can build it yeah so yeah that is i mean that that's definitely great um mm. like you said even and also, if yeah even if it's just like upgrade kits for for existing yeah. printers and even though the machine is will be like around a thousand bucks um on retail msrp it's yeah, it's probably going to be like eight, nine hundred at the usual sales yeah. that uh, Gearbest and all the other platforms have. It's still way more affordable than everything that was there before. And I think it's to totally feasible maybe in the future to buy such a machine and modify it to just having a, yeah, a belt that ejects simply ejects parts after yeah. each print and there is probably a big market for that and that would get around all of the limitations in yeah all of the limitations that you have with such a belt system due to overhangs and yeah. also the limits in software yeah because, because you just use a regular slicer and then and uh, add an ng code or um mm -hmm. Marlin, if if it if Marlin adds the looping G code, which Scott is working on right now, um, yeah. you could also do that the same way. You just have a you know eject move, which you can hook up to like an, a second extruder slot. Um, if you mm -hmm. just need a, a, how many motors does this thing have? It's just one for the belt, right? Yeah, it's just one motor for the belt. So use extruder yeah. two, and just drive it off of there. You, no. you don't even need to do any any bad hacks in firmware. So yeah, definitely very nice tech, but of course first generation. And yeah, we'll we'll see what these newfound tools and capabilities uh, bring us. Just mm. like newfound tools and capabilities in software bring us. Um, and that's the that's the next topic I I, I put in, and it's uh, you know new software that's coming out that's getting not as much attention as I think it should. Mm -hmm. So yeah, this is specifically for like the um, the apparently newsworthy which i've also tweeted about the apparently newsworthy release of the prusa hold on the the <laughs> the full canon name of the <laughs> of the mark 3s plus is the original prusa mendel i3 mark 3s plus <laughs> if you want to go canon with this thing um but yeah Prusa puts out a new uh, new minor hardware release for the Mark III S Plus. I don't even know what changed. Something changed. They put the super pin on there. Okay, cool. Um, which is much much more of a change for the Prusa Mini, but like, okay, cool, nice. But the fact that there is new firmware for those same printers, I the the one one of the the reasons that inspired me to 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 really look into that is, I used my oh, that's that's the CW one. I used the SO one recently. And I connected it to my wife and was like, hey, new firmware will. And I was like, okay, okay, update. It took like 15 minutes. Um, and after that, it I just noticed, okay, 
it's got new animations it's got new stuff it's showing you it's you know usability is better it's it's stuff that's added to the printer that i think has more value than the super pinda versus the original pinda um or even than a than a glossy spring steel sheet you can do so much with just support in firmware and that is well it's it's support in firmware and it's also slicer updates um so we've got idea maker 4.0 is coming out in there um the prusa slicer 2.3 is it yeah is in is in beta and and near release candidate right now Mm -hmm. um like particularly slicers and and firmware and and those being well made now adds so much to the experience you're having as a user Mm. do you agree definitely yeah definitely i i think and this is this was the reason why i also pointed out slicing software for belt printers before because they are currently still limited by the software that's available um but yeah idea maker 4.0 um i have been using it briefly idea maker in the past because it has some really nice features and it's basically a a copy of simplify 3d and since probably version 5 of simplify 3d is never going to happen I'm hoping that uh, uh, Idea Maker will implement a, a couple of those things, um, but also, but also uh, that they have been teasing that they will be implementing belt slicing in in their slicer, and with advancement yeah. of software, it will also advance or make hardware way more capable. Um, Prusa slicer. So I I started with. Slick 3R or Slicer, or however you want to call it, four yeah. or five years ago, and it was okay. But switching to Simplify 3D at that time was just a enormous step. Yeah. But the way Prusa Slicer has been coming, it is, in my opinion, currently, uh, I think the one of the most polished slicers out there. Yeah, I. I... I mean, so for for a while, the new Cura, Cura basically 2.0, and we're now at 4.8 or something. Um, Those had Slick 3 beat for quite a while when it comes to just how capable it is and how detailed you can can adjust your print settings. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I put you in airplane mode. Yeah, so so Cura had Prusa's Lies beat for a while, and then when Prusa, hold on, Cura had Slick Thrower beat for a while, and then when Prusa's Slicer came in and became a part of, or, or Prusa took the Slick Thrower project and made it their own slicer, I think that that's when that became maybe not as like detailed in slicing settings, but just capable in what it can do. I've, I I honestly I've used Simplify 3D like once maybe i've used it probably more as a g-code viewer than i did as a slicer mm. um i just i i just found the the interface just too many too many steps you have to go through and like what but um yeah obviously it's a pace it's a paid slice it's 150 bucks so i didn't really have much incentive of using this and trying to get more people to spend money on stuff that you know if you look at open source slices you, you kind of have to to uh, anticipate that those slices are going to be at that level at a point but where am i going with this 
I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Where? Well, yeah, Cura has been beating uh, uh, Slick 3R in the past, but I, in my opinion, Prusa Slicer has overtaken Cura. I, for me, I'm still using Cura from time to time, but Cura now has so many settings that you can tweak that it's I don't know even too much for me um, and basically almost any printer I've been using over the last one or two years where I just used the standard profile in Prusa Slicer and just tweaked retraction setting and pff, I don't know sli uh, uh, build envelope pretty great yeah super great results so honestly so what what i'm doing is i i guess is not typical um i've i've recently realized that with the way that i'm not using octoprint but with so many printers around and with so many different machines um i basically just use the whatever slicer the, the manufacturer provides like for the creality machines for this for the end of 3v2 it's creality slicer which is cura four point something and it works fine it works absolutely fine um, for Prusa, I use Prusa Slicer because, well, it's got the best profiles for the Prusa machines. Mm. Um, for the Elegoo printers, well, obviously you use Cheetah Box because there's, well, there's Lychee Slicer, but yeah, I just use whatever that the manufacturer has made profiles mm. for. Um, and most of them, most of the slices are really good these days. Like, uh, so yeah, use, use whichever one you, you like. <laughs> For me, it's kind of different because I'm so used to Prusa Slicer that I often don't really bother installing the slicers that come with the printers because I know if I use the default profile in 95% of the cases, the results are better than with the provided profiles in, uh, in their own software. So... But that is for that, reason. that is for, for using the printer and for, for doing stuff that you want to do and not for testing the printer, I assume? I think your testing approach is is unique in a way that you try to give your viewers an experience of the machine as if they are totally new and would follow all of the steps that the manufacturer suggests. I am also trying to be as close as possible in a way that I don't do like 20 modifications before I start a review. But I don't know, Slicer is something so important for me and also something that is... Um, that, um, I'm just, I'm currently missing the word. Well, that, that can be just... You can use one slicer and use it basically for all of the machines that I rather use a slicer that I know how it works to try to get the most out of the machine that I'm reviewing. Because I say, okay, if the printer is limited by the provided software, I think it's the easiest step to just change to another slicer than doing like 20 modifications and ruining your printer uh, that way. Right. So, but what do you, what do you do when when the printer doesn't print well with the slicer that you're using? Like that could be that could be your fault in in how you set it up. Well, if if that is the case, I definitely try to use their slicer and their profile. But it rarely happened to me that that was 
that this was the cause of bad printing results. I, as I said, in 95% of the cases over the last years, basically the, the standard profile in Prusa Slicer or in the past Simplify 3D worked right. better than the provided profile. Yeah, I mean, what's, what's, what's kind of confusing me in, in that regard is like, why aren't manufacturers just saying, hey, use this slicer, do this, set it up like that, and boom, you, you, you've got a great printing machine instead of uh, trying to ship like Cura 14.07 and saying, here's the profile for that and use that and mm -hmm. it doesn't even run on Windows 10. And it's like, why guys, why are you doing this? Uh, when, when there's official I, instructions to that tell you, okay, do this this way, and mm. it doesn't even work. Like that—that's gotta be a like a mark off. I well, I th I think there are several reasons for that, but I think for once, for some, it's a bit of prestige to have their own skin version of Cura which is then called Creality Slicer or some other brand name Slicer. Um, second, I find it really hard to import print of profiles in Cura. I don't know if I'm just too stupid to do that, but... Um, the new Cura is a bit weird about that, yeah. Like Cura 4 and 3 were, in my opinion, really weird about that because you can't import a printer with uh, like the print envelope and start an NG code. As far as I know, please correct me if I'm wrong there. Well, but you can import printing profiles in a way that the print settings are right. made properly. Um, I find that a bit inconvenient and I kind of can understand that. Uh, some manufacturers hesitate doing that step. But with Prusa Slicer, for example, it's it's way simpler. You have your INI file or your 3MF file where everything is included. There's the printer profile included. There is the slicing profile included and the filament profile yeah. in included. Um, as... but oh, go, go, ahead. go ahead. But shipping, but shipping a printer that uses a sli slicer that is branded with the name of another printer company might also something that has, yeah, some companies just hesitate to do. Sure, sure. Um, I guess Cura is a bit better <clears throat> there because it's it's just Cura and yeah, sure, mm -hmm. you could call it Ultimaker Cura if you wanted to. Uh, Prusa Slice is a bit aggressive there, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, shipping, I don't know, an alpha-wise with Prusa Slicer. I I mean, when they're calling the printer Prusa i3 anyways, like, is there really that big of a deal? It's just a slicer for Prusa machines. Like, yeah. um, the other thing I, I wanted to, to bring up is like, there's, as far as I'm aware, there's not much stopping companies from submitting their own official profiles to both Prusa Slicer or Cura, right? They, they do allow uh, third-party manufacturers to create their own profiles and to have mm -hmm. it ship with just mainline Prusa Slicer, mm -hmm. mainline Cura. And then basically you download the newest version of that slicer and you get you get that that selection menu where it's like, okay, I want a Creality in the three. I think that's in uh Prusa Slicer already. Yeah. But, sure, then it's 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 another company slicer. But 
at least it's i mean you get the newest software and yeah you kind of have to jump over your shadow and saying okay mm. this this company put a lot of effort into making the slicer and well that's it's it's their product mm. Uh. Well, Prusa Slicer is slowly starting to implement that. I think they started with 2.2, so with the last official stable release to include third-party manufacturer's profile into Prusa Slicer. It is large. Well, there are way more printers now in Prusa Slicer with uh, version 2.3. And they have, I think, the nice system of having the possibility to update profiles well without the need to download a new version of the software because yeah. the profiles can be up updated in the background i don't know if if cura has a certification process if you want to have your printer in official cura i, I don't know, know. but be, in my opinion yeah. that would be the proper way to do it and that would it would make it the easiest for everyone yeah. because installing software that is on a generic thumb drive in a I don't know printer box always I don't know um, tickles me a little I don't know if I'm now a Bitcoin miner uh, and also Usually just, you don't just have the latest release with the latest software. Just, just uh, get a completely features. separate computer to install all your slices on and then connect it via HDMI so you can uh, <laughs> view it in your live streams. This is this is the computer yeah. that's doing all the slicing uh, in all of my yeah. live streams. This has all yeah. the cool slices on it that companies supply. And this computer that we're using right now is just streaming computer and yeah. clean. It has my yeah. personal stuff on it. This has no accounts logged in. The, yeah. no no network access well yeah. network share access or anything um this is just the trash box yeah yeah it's it's kind of weird when you have to install some software from someone who you know maybe even triggers a, a windows uh fi not firewall but the windows defender warning where it's like mm -hmm. oh this is unsigned software or it's a mm -hmm. weird file signature that we've not seen before yeah I think it's mainly prestige of the manufacturers that they think that they need to do that because everyone else is doing yeah. it as well. Uh, in, my, in my opinion, it also doesn't make sense provided to any of the, well, common slicers and provide a profile to the common slicers and they have the possibility to have properly updated software and also profiles um doesn't matter if it's if the printer is shipped today or or in a year yeah maybe they're scared that in a year prusa slicer says okay we don't allow external profiles anymore true but at that point they could still fork the software good but yeah. then it's like well we've already shipped with prusa slicer it it's yeah the dependencies on on other companies that are your competitors i i see how that mm -hmm. is tricky yeah Maybe just to to finish that up, um, have you been working with Idea Maker in the past? I have not. Okay. Why? No just need. Didn't 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 occur to me. Okay. Um, like for 
you're saying you're using Prusa for everything, basically. Um, I'm using Prusa Slicer for machines where uh, I don't have a profile for, um, for another slicer or an official slicer, or I build something myself. I, I do use Prusa Slicer for that for the most time, and it's been it's just been doing everything that it needed to do. Like, I've not had a need to to use another <laughs> slicer. Mm. In the past, I used another slicer, Simplify 3D, for the great supports that they have. But since oh yeah, talk talk Pura, talk about their great support that they still have, <laughs> the great support structures. <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, but this is now also obsolete because other slices have that as well. Um, for which reason, I also still used it is for design of experiments. If I want to test different printing settings, there is basically nothing better than simplify 3d because for every part on the print platform you can use a different layer height a different yeah. everything different print setting nozzle temperatures this is great but they haven't updated their software and um yeah as i said idea maker is basically a copy of simplify 3d i think they even have some of the developers of simplify. i've heard that as well yeah and they implemented really nice DOE tools into Idea Maker. So if yeah. if you or the listeners ever have the need to try out twenty different settings on one printing platform, um, Idea Maker's got you got you covered because, as I said, they they have a DOE tool where you can say, okay, I want this parameter varied. Um, from this to that range and it directly I think it uh, creates copies of the part right and assigns a different profile to all of the parts so it's basically really cool. it's basically that that paid web tool that we've talked about like two or three episodes ago where you go in yeah. and it gives you uh, a set of G codes yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's basically that in uh, idea maker now <sighs> not that automatic right automated not that automated but if you know what you're doing um, this can be the way to go. And what I'm, for example, still missing in Prusa Slicer, you are not able to change the nozzle temperature per, per part, right? which doesn't make a huge amount of sense if you're printing continuously. Yeah. But I'm often doing um, sequential prints where I would like to assign a different temperature to all of the parts because I want to find out what the influence of printing temperature is. Yeah. That's not possible. So I still need to go into the G code and and add M one hundred and four exactly uh, by my own or and on my own. I've done that manually too before for uh, Halloween season one. Obviously, yeah. with the filament temperature for the calibration prints, like that's just been yeah. manually added G code. Um, of course, like if you if you have to do a lot of it, you just add like a a, a tag in the G code and you just do Control F and you find it and you. <clears throat> but it's like no, come on, you can you can do that better. Yeah. And yeah, I don't I don't know if if two I don't think I have two point three on this machine, but um, they've they've kept adding to those options that you can do per mm. part and per modifier mesh. Yeah. So I don't know, nozzle temperature might at some point become one of those options as well. Yeah. I probably just need to submit it to the G code, uh, G code, GitHub <laughs> requests at some point. Um, yeah. And what I also have to give them kudos: if you submit something to GitHub, 
and if it's a something feasible uh -huh. um they are very active in implementing stuff and also fixing bugs which is which is really really nice yeah and i think i have been using all of the alpha and beta versions of 2.3 because um they added some really cool stuff in there hey you know what would be nice if you could just do if you could select an entire printing profile per part you just say, yeah. okay, this this part is, you know, I've got my, you know, vase mode 0.25 millimeter layers tuned in. I, I'm going to use that for this. And then, well, I guess for vase mode, it, it sequential doesn't make sense. But I mean, if you, 3D. if you print, yeah. That was the reason why I just simplify, that. because you were able to do that. You could start, for example, with a really normal printing profile and then at some layer continue with um, vase mode and then yeah. get back to normal printing. Yeah, Idea Maker also has got you covered. So yeah. Should if look you don't want that. to spend 150 bucks if yeah. you want to do something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. I see you've you found your your fidget toy as well. I've got my micro SD card in the in the adapter. It's yeah. it's just something you, you you. Yeah, I'm, I I'm starting to get to get really tired. I don't know. I need I need something to keep me awake. It's it's 10 o'clock at night and I started working like. Yeah, six seven o'clock in the morning. You've you've earned your firearm. So I guess let's close this one out, um, guys. Thank you for watching. Um, we're going to be back hopefully a bit earlier with the next episode. Uh, Maybe for Christmas. Yeah, you're off work, so you've got you've got time. Well, probably all booked out already. Um, but yeah, thank you all for watching. Thank you all for being here. Thank you, Stefan, for taking the time. Um, sorry for taking that long Tom and listeners and viewers uh, but still thank you for your time and I guess uh, we'll see each other hopefully soon definitely and if you've enjoyed the episode <laughs> like subscribe support us on Patreon we don't have YouTube memberships on this channel but uh, yeah thanks for watching bye bye <laughs>